Stand by while NCLA cuts through the noise to signal abuse of administrative power. This is Administrative Static with Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchione. Welcome to Administrative Static. Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchioni here. And it's a it's a big day at the new Civil Liberties Alliance, or a big week, I should say, a banner week. We've had several uh, interesting developments to bring uh, to the audience. And John, we're going to start today with our colleague, Peggy Little, who has a, a big case uh, uh, to tell us about. It's the first time that the Supreme Court has granted a cert petition uh, in a case involving a new Civil Liberties Alliance a client, and the case is is Cochran v. SEC. You may remember uh, Peggy argued this case to the en banc Fifth Circuit and won that case back in December. And ordinarily, Peggy, folks aren't aren't excited when the Supreme Court grants cert in a case they won below. Why is this? Why is this case different? Why is it? Why, why is uh, NCLA happy to have the Supreme Court uh, decide Michelle Cochran's case? And before that, I should say, welcome to the program. Thank you, Mark. Very happy to be here. It has been a big week. Uh, the reason we're happy that the Supreme Court has granted cert is a little bit complicated, but uh, if I can pare it down, uh, there was a similar case called Axon that had um, a very closely related issue as to the uh, federal court jurisdiction to challenge uh certain aspects of the uh, legality of an administrative proceeding. And just because of timing, Axon's petition got to the Supreme Court first. And um, and in fact, their, their petition was granted about two weeks after your victory in the in the en banc Fifth Circuit in Cochrane, if I recall correctly. Exactly. I mean, they did not have a certain path to cert at all because five circuits had uh, gone the other way and by in their own they had lost below. So uh, when you don't have a circuit split, sometimes the court just declines to take your case. But what happened in December, um, early December, second week of December, we, is that we got a, an en banc decision in which nine uh, judges of the uh, Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals uh, ruled that uh, Michelle Cochran has federal court jurisdiction to challenge the constitutionality of her administrative law judge. Just um, days thereafter, uh, the Axon petition for certification was granted. And in fact, their lawyers had brought the Cochran decision to the attention of the Supreme Court and certification in that case ensued. That other case is called Axon. It um, involves construing the Federal Trade Commission statute um, and our case, Cochrane, uh, involves construing the uh, Securities and Exchange Act uh, provisions. Right. So two, so two different statutes. But the question in both cases, with, and the Supreme Court has agreed to hear both of them now, is whether or not someone has to go through an administrative hearing before they can raise a constitutional objection to the administrative tribunal that they are going to appear in front of. Exactly. And this has been a very costly 
illogical and we also think unlawful um, regime <clears throat> in which uh, the circuit courts of appeal, in my opinion, have really fallen down on the, their jobs and refused to address the constitutionality of the proceedings before people have to go through them. And there was a whole line of cases in which federal appeals courts uh, just uh, somewhat cavalierly uh, assumed that, no, we're just going to let people go through this and we will decide later whether it was constitutional. That makes no sense. It is a costly waste of people's uh, resources. <clears throat> and I think the courts are starting to wake up to that because uh, when we filed uh, with the Supreme Court, well, first of all, the SEC is the one who's seeking review at the at the uh, Supreme Court because they lost. Right. I was going to say so. So to just to, so the audience understands, you won at the en banc Fifth Circuit. The SEC sought a cert petition from the Supreme Court. They asked the court to hold the case, not to take the case and decide it. They wanted it to hold it pending the outcome in Axon. You filed a brief saying, no, 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 don't hold the case. Hear both of them at the same time in tandem so that you can take a look at these two different statutes. And the SEC shouldn't necessarily be bound by what the FTC statute says. Let the court look at both of them, make a decision in both of them. And so what happens now? Uh, are the are the cases, do we know yet whether the cases are, are going to be argued in tandem? We don't know. There's a proposal being submitted uh, to the clerk of the court about a briefing schedule that is designed to um, perhaps um, streamline the briefing. Uh, so we would uh, file our brief uh, at the end of June and uh, amicus briefs would be due in early July. So we'll have to hustle on that. And uh, that we do get a, a reply brief if the Supreme Court agrees to the amended briefing schedule. But the Supreme Court's petition that asked the Supreme Court to hold its decision in Michelle's case pending a decision under another statute and under another regime was just, in my opinion, another example of uh, administrators thinking they had uh, more power than they perhaps should have. Well, they're trying to keep Michelle in the quagmire for a little bit longer if they could. Absolutely. I, I and one of the things that we were um, able to do was file an amicus brief in support of our request that the court really must hear Michelle's case separately with full review under the proper statute was filed by uh, three people, uh, Christopher Gibson, George uh, Jarkasi, and Ray Lucia, all three of whom have been tied up for the better part of a decade uh, in various administrative proceedings, completely financially uh, uh, drained from that, uh, and, and to say nothing of the uh, uh, other tolls that going through you know, anywhere between six and 10 years of proceedings with the SEC. And you have to understand, all of those proceedings were predestined to be set aside if you reach the constitutional question. And I think the Supreme Court is waking up to that problem, that people are undergoing years of deprivation of their life and their ability to uh, practice in their chosen profession and the untold effects this has on their reputation and other relationships. Well, let's hope so. So so the, the case is going to be heard on the merits now. What are the, uh, you know, we're not asking you to, to sort of uh, give your ex, you know, the exact argument that you'll you'll make to the court, but I assume it won't be that different from what you made successfully at the at the en banc Fifth Circuit. So what's 
you know, what are, what are the big bones of contention here that the court will be will be considering? What are the, the best arguments on uh, as to why there should be jurisdiction for someone like Michelle in federal district court? Well, as the uh, Fifth Circuit recognized in their en banc opinion, first and foremost, this is an issue of statutory construction. And there is nothing in Section 78Y, which is the provision of the 1934 Exchange Act that provides for these administrative proceedings. There is nothing in that statute that strips jurisdiction from the federal courts to hear constitutional questions. There's a separate statute. Um, uh, 28 U.S. Code 1331 that provides for jurisdiction for federal courts to hear constitutional questions. Again, there's nothing in this statute that strips that jurisdiction. In fact, the Supreme Court recognized that in a 2010 decision, Free Enterprise Fund, and they said that 78Y uh, neither takes away jurisdiction explicitly nor implicitly. So if the courts have jurisdiction under the statute and nothing strips that jurisdiction, why have courts been so reluctant to do what the Fifth Circuit did here? I think there are five courts that have gone the other way. Why do you think the Fifth Circuit was the first one, one to do it? And do you think that the Supreme Court will side with the Fifth Circuit or will it side with the other five? Um, I think it will side with the Fifth Circuit because um, we have a very strong uh, statutory construction uh, argument uh, that there's nothing in the statute that strips jurisdiction. In fact, there's a provision of the statute that preserves existing uh, jurisdiction. And we think that Michelle has an extremely uh, strong case for that, even stronger than the Axon case, uh, which doesn't... Which have, is also strong. Yeah, very strong. We, In fact, we've been supporting Axon throughout their appeal. Um, and, and, and to say that Michelle has a strong case does not diminish the case of Axon at all. It just uh, underscores why these proceedings should not have been allowed to take place as they have been for you know a very long time, far too long. In fact, if I can uh, allow the audience behind the scenes for, for just a little bit, I don't think it's too much to say that NCLA had an amicus brief ready to go to file in support of Axon on the merits at the Supreme Court. But when the cert was granted that same day, early early in the morning, we decided, well, we're going to be able to say our piece in the Cochrane case. We we did not uh, we did not go ahead and file that uh, amicus brief, but uh, we are very supportive of Axon, and and uh, I think it'll be to the benefit of both Axon and Michelle Cochran that both of these cases are going to be heard uh, this coming term uh, by the by the Supreme Court. Any, any other details that you want to share with, with the audience about next next things to expect from this? Um, well, um, it will be argued uh, next fall sometime, I believe. Uh, it, that's at least the prediction. And uh, we will get separate arguments. So Exxon will have be able to argue their case separately, and Michelle Cochran will be able to argue hers separately. Uh, it might be on the same day uh, because the issues are, you know, comparatively similar, and um, it would be a great benefit to all Americans to have the court decide the right way under both statutes. Right. The Solicitor General has asked for consolidated briefing so that it can essentially file one responsive brief to both cases, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the argument would be joined. They could be done back to back, for example, on the same morning. Yeah, and it's, I think it's very important that it be done so because these are separate statutory schemes 
and um, neither S should the FTC uh, respondents be bound by an interpretation of the SEC statute or vice versa. Right. I, I agree. We'll have to we'll have to leave it there. But uh, good luck to you at the at the Supreme Court. Peggy Little, thanks for being on Administrative Static. Thank you. And congratulations. administrative static and of course we're all very excited about the Cochrane case being granted cert but Mark and I wanted to explain a little more of why it's important and what it's about and um, one of the things I say all the time about administrative law is that mostly the process is the punishment yes you can get fined yes they can take your licenses they can do various things but one of the real insidious problems with uh, administrative proceedings that seem to have no uh, connection to constitutional proceedings is that you can't get to federal court. So you don't ever have an Article Three judge who's uh, disinterested, as the founders would say. That doesn't mean that they're not paying attention. It means that they don't have any dog in the fight so that they are adjudicators who uh, have their jobs and 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 and, and can't be countermanded by anybody above them um, if, if they just simply apply the law to the facts. Yeah, they're and impartial. They're impartial. And so these ALJs, uh, administrative law judges, and I say this in the FTC context uh, all the time, but it's true in the SEC as well, you know, sometimes they look at the facts and the law and they rule for you. Not often, but they sometimes do. And then when that goes up to the commission, the commission is the one who reviews it. They, and the commissioners are the one who authorized the case being brought against you. And it's just part of human nature. Let put politics aside. Human nature is no one wants to admit a mistake. So they don't want to say that what they originally did was wrong. So they, they reverse the ALJ. And then, then usually you, you can get an appeal to a uh, court of appeals. But the Court of Appeals has to take all the facts that were found by the commission. And the commission can change the facts that the ALJ found. So let's say the ALJ did everything right and he took his job seriously and he said, you know, this is the facts. The commission can say, no, you're wrong. Those aren't really the facts. But the, but the appellate court can't do that. So, so and, and of course, this takes years and years and years. So one of the important benefits of the Cochrane case, and, and we hope it, it, it stays, uh, you know, it's upheld by the Supreme Court, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but is this, if there's a constitutional problem, if there's a constitutional problem with the adjudication, your constitutional um, issues can be decided by a district court. You don't have to go through that whole process. You'll go to the federal district court, you'll get a ruling, that'll go to an appellate court, and you're not at the mercy of the administrative process that has, uh, you know, not the protections all of us expect from an adjudication. Yeah, not, so that, not, the, not the protections, but also, John, they can't even rule on the constitutional question. The administrative law judges themselves are not 
they're not experts on the Constitution, and they are not authorized to rule on these constitutional questions. So you're you're subjecting somebody to one of these administrative hearings, and if there's a constitutional problem that means that it shouldn't be taking place, this adjudicator doesn't even have the ability to save whether it's Michelle Cochran or someone else from having to go through the process. Yeah, they won't. They actually, I think they've even admitted that in the Axon case. I think they say we don't rule on that stuff. You know, sometimes they try to fuzzy it up. Well, we might find facts that, that are important to the constitutional issue. But I think in Axon, they didn't. And and we have we have been involved. You know, we we did put in amicus briefs in Axon. The FTC and SEC statutes are different. But one of the, the things that's going on here is, is that appeals from the SEC and the FTC could go to uh, go to an appellate court. And what the agencies have said is because appeals from our agencies go to appellate courts, that means that the district courts have been stripped of their, their jurisdiction. No, it doesn't. That's not what it means. It means that your adjudications, if that's what goes through, you do get an, a right to an appeals court. But that doesn't mean that district courts are stripped of jurisdiction because they have all the jurisdiction Congress gave them and Congress never took it away. But they've used just the fact that you can appeal to a court of appeals to say you're not allowed to go to a district court for your constitutional problems. And, and that that is kind of outrageous when you when you think of the Judiciary Act and, and how it says the district courts have all uh, jurisdiction over all constitutional issues and everything under, uh, you know, under the laws of the United States. Well, it's outrageous. And the judges are complicit in that because it's not the administrative law judges who have said uh, that. Uh, that the jurisdiction is is stripped. It's the federal courts. It's the federal judiciary that have that have pretended that they don't have jurisdiction uh, over these cases, and they've done it despite, in the at least in the SEC context, they've done it despite a ruling from the Supreme Court on this very provision. Free enterprise. Like you mentioned Free enterprise. It, Free enterprise yep. Run the Public Company Accounting Oversight Board, or Peekaboo, if you prefer. Uh, the the very provision, Section seventy eight Y, as Peggy mentioned. Uh, the U.S. Supreme Court said that there's jurisdiction, and even despite that, the lower courts have have pretended that they don't have jurisdiction uh, to hear these claims. And there's another thing you mentioned, John, that I wanted to come back to because I think it's very important. You said this is not political; this is not about R's and D's, and that's right. This same problem has existed that it exists under the Biden administration, it existed under the Trump administration, it existed under the Obama administration, the Bush administration, the Clinton administration, the other Bush administration, the Reagan administration. How far do you want to go back? The, this, problem, <laughs> this problem has existed and it's so it's not a Republican Democrat problem. It's an administrative state running free from the Constitution problem. And it happens under both administrations. And it's time for the Supreme Court to put an end to it. So I'm glad that it's going to hear both of these cases. Yeah, and I do think I I, I find it interesting. I don't you know. I didn't clerk on the Supreme Court. You didn't either. But I find it interesting because we have been well, one of the the aspects of this is we have put in uh, amicus briefs in the Axon uh, case all through its time. I, I think I, I did it, before, you know, for, for, from early on in that case, district court and in appellate courts. But uh, we, we've been explaining why this is so bad. And then Cochran, uh, Peggy filed Cochran and pushed that along on the same basis. And the Supreme Court, whatever ways they look at things, have connected the dots. I mean, I, I, we've been banging on the drum, but they have connected the dots. I want to point out something, though, to some of the lawyers out there about the 
It's interesting about this case. Um, I, I certainly find it interesting. We won in the Fifth Circuit, right? We, we, we won. The Fifth Circuit said, you get your district court hearing. Right. And the yeah, we, government- We lost at the panel stage, but then won at the en banc stage. Right, en banc. Exactly, exactly. So the panel said no, and, and then, so we got an en banc, and a banc opinion is much better, right? So we didn't, we didn't petition for cert. You can't petition for cert when you won. The government petitioned for cert saying, Supreme Court, you got to fix this. This en banc Fifth Circuit opinion is terrible. It's going to do terrible things. And then, then they said, then the government said, oh, but by the way, we're petitioning for cert, but uh, don't take it or do anything until Axon's decided, which is kind of, it's squirrely, Mark. It's squirrely. Well, yeah, they're trying to delay <laughs> the inevitable, I think, is what they were trying to do. And so- so we had to put in a brief that said, wait a minute, you can't delay. You know, we, we want you to take it, take, you know, do it now, do it now and hear them together. And well, I this think gets back to, well, this gets I back to what you were saying before. Uh, you were saying that th this takes years and years and years. Well, that's why if, if, if the Supreme Court had gone along with what the SEC asked it to do, or actually what the Solicitor General asked it to do, then Michelle Cochran would have been cooling her heels for one more year. While the Axon case was working its way through the Supreme Court, we maybe get a decision on that case. I don't know, maybe a year from now, maybe it could be next March or April, but more likely May or June, you get that decision. And and then she's just in limbo for that entire time. And, and, not, uh, only, and not only that, Mark, the thing that really bothers me is the, the FTC uh, oh, and the SEC cite each other's cases when they win. And then when they don't win, they say, oh, this is a completely different statute. Now, <laughs> it's true that they are different statutes, and I, I think it's going it, to it, it may play out in these two cases, and there and there's pluses and minuses to both sides. But I but I will say this. The government always says when they win that they should be read in tandem uh, because, uh, you know, they, they have similarities to them. But when they lose, they go, oh, it doesn't matter. So it, it's foolish to wait because we know what they're going to do. They're if they win, they'll say it's the same. And if they lose, they say it won't. And then it'll have to be briefing anyway on whether on whether it really is the same or not. So well, and, it, and that briefing wouldn't be in the Supreme Court. You'd be at no. district courts all around the country. The, the other thing that, John, that I think maybe play into why they took this is we, we mentioned that there are five courts that went the other way. Yep. And, you know, if if you got a ruling just on the FTC question, do you think all five of those courts would have read the FTC ruling to overrule the those circuit courts or would they have said, oh, well, we have to wait for the Supreme Court to explicitly overrule something before we act on no, it? No question. And I and I, I think that's true. And I also think, it, you know, it, it's odd to me because when I was in uh, private commercial practice, you know, I whenever uh, we'd win, the the other side would would petition for cert to the Supreme Court and I'd argue to beat the ban. I don't want to go to the Supreme Court. I don't want to go to the Supreme Court. I mean, I've never I've never wanted to go to the Supreme Court when I won. But it, in this case, uh, it's a little bit different because you want to you want to make sure it's the rule for the whole country. So um, although we didn't petition for cert, we did say, hey, if you're going to if you're going to take it, please do it now and do it with this case. Exactly, exactly. Well, what do you think is going to happen, John? So uh, you think the, you think the court will uh, realign the cases and and uh, and have will have separate argument? Uh, yes, and but I think they'll be heard the same day. So what I think is going to happen is is that there if if I if I read it right, I believe whatever we asked for, I think Axon will go first because its first file has been around longer, and then then we'll go. But I think it'll be the same day. 
And, and I think they're going to be reading them in tandem because this issue of district court jurisdiction, uh, whatever the difference in the statutes, is, is important because the agencies have taken, and these are independent agencies that have really taken a hard line that they have all the jurisdiction and the federal courts have none until they're done finding the facts and making their rulings and making somebody's life's hell. And, and I do think that the Supreme Court is going to, it has taken them. They're going to uh, argue them the same day. And I think they're going to come out the same way that it's wrong because I think it's a very textualist court. And if you read the text, it doesn't look to me like the district courts were strict. Well, and it's going to be Paul Clement arguing for Axon, Greg Gar arguing for Cochran. That's two former U.S. Solicitor Generals, and probably the Solicitor General will be there. So we'll have a, we'll have a free for be quite the argument to, uh, to behold. We'll be back with more on administrative static right after this.